Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey guys, buddy C. We have Kate E, Craig M, Marla H, and Lala M. Good to have you guys today. I had to surrender some ego this week with this podcast. I just found myself thinking about the people listening and all of that, and I had to just kind of get a little more right-sized with it. So I needed to say that to somebody. <laughs> so I'll say it to everybody. <laughs> uh, that ego just is uh, is always waiting for me to let it in. <laughs> You're human. Do what, Marley? I said you're human. Oh, I am. Oh, I'm very human. Capital letters. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What did y'all think about this 44th chapter? Any comments before we start? No, it just needs to be said. Yes. <laughs> Marla, what's our email? I, I know we'll get that in now before I forget. Our email is wisdom526 at gmail.com. Questions, comments, would like to set us straight on something, please do. Yeah. Um, if you want more information, this is a uh, live meeting that's recorded every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern for the uh, Recovery Revolution community. You can join us. Go to omarpinto.com and look at the community link. Uh, they do a, uh, Omar does a dollar trial for the first month and then $12 a month after that if you want to join in. A lot of good things here, recovery related, and it does cost money. So this is to help cover the costs, is all. Can I just say for, for anybody that's listening in the UK, the $12 a month is £9.50 a month. And okay. you try it. 76 pence. It's a bargain. Get it before Brexit kicks in. Let's go. Because <laughs> then everything's going to travel in price. Thanks, Greg. Okay. Well, let's just read then, I guess. I guess that's where we're at. We'll let uh, Kate read. I'm, I'll put the link in the chat. First translation. Fame or self. Which matters more, self or wealth? Which is more precious, gain or loss? Which is more painful? He who is attached to things will suffer much. He who saves will suffer heavy loss. A contented man is never disappointed. He who knows when to stop does not find himself in trouble. He will stay forever safe. Second translation, fame or integrity, which is more important? Money or happiness, which is more valuable? Success or failure, which is more destructive? If you look to others for fulfillment, you will never be truly, truly be fulfilled. If your happiness depends on money, you will never be happy with yourself. Be content with what you have. Rejoice in the way things are. When you realize there is nothing lacking, the whole world belongs to you. Third translation. Which is more important, your honor or your life? 
Which is more valuable, your possessions or your person? Which is more destructive, success or failure? Because of this, great love extracts a great cost, and true wealth requires greater loss. Knowing when you have enough avoids dishonor, and knowing when to stop will keep you from danger and bring you a long, happy life. Final translation. What's more important, fame or your well-being? What's worth more, your money or your life? What is more dangerous, winning or losing? If you are too attached to your possessions, they will bring you misery. If you hang on to your riches, you will suffer substantial loss. If you know when you have enough, you will never be disgraced. If you practice moderation, you can stay out of trouble. And that's the secret to lasting success. Wow, good stuff. Good stuff. Anything jump out? Uh, I wrote down when it was talking about, um, it says, be content with what you have. Can't find it. Can't find it. It says, be content. Man is never disappointed in the first in the first translation. Is that what you're looking for near the bottom? Well, no, it's not, sorry. It's not, sorry uh, it's in the second, be content with what you have. Rejoice in the way things are. Um, because I wrote, yep, that's one, and I wrote down after that because you never know when you're not going to have them anymore. You never know when they're going to get taken away, when you're going to lose them. Well, that's a negative way to look at it, Craig. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just how I am. It's just how I am for the first five minutes. <laughs> you haven't had your coffee yet. Come on, Craig. I'm Let's on, go the- on the sunny side. Let's go on the on the. <laughs> You know, on the sunny side, not the not the cloudy side. Come on, man. It says not not to be attached really to anything that the, the things, the things that you have, because yeah, you can lose them, but if you're not attached to them, losing them is not a big deal. Because you have you really just have yourself. And if if you have that, you have everything. I think that's the idea behind this statement here that a contented man is never disappointed. Yeah. Because everything changes, and I want to put my value on what I have rather than or, or what I accomplish or, you know, my successes. I want to put my value either, you know, actually my value on my successes or on my failures because we could go either way with that. You know, if, right. we, if we go into the self-pity side, you know, we could do that. I know that's where I go because my failures are way, way more um, important to me than my successes. Yes. Uh, Yeah, I was going to say that struck a nerve with me, that gain or loss, success or failure. um, And I don't know if I'm interpreting it wrong, but I think losses are actually more (laughs) useful for me. Um, or more of a teaching teaching um, tool for me than games. Um, where you have to fit. It's it's when you fail, it's how you get up, and you know that that shows what kind of integrity you have is by not letting these things get you down. Am I reading that correctly, or am I? Yeah, I think so, Lola. I mean, look here. What is more dangerous, winning or losing? Right. <laughs> 
I mean, I guess it depends, but I'm, it's, it's, ha- it's your reaction. It's your reaction. Exactly. It's your attachment to the win or loss. You know, what value do you place on it? Are you, are you placing an unreal value on this experience? Setting expectations. Yes. Yes. Okay. Who's dinging? That's me. I got to get that off. Sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to mute. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I thought it was Craig. I was already blaming Craig. I was going to mute Craig. Is this Craig again? <laughs> I'm sorry, Craig. Well, I got blamed for the last lot because I was listening to one of the episodes and I kept on hearing this buzzing. And, and Buddy texts me and says, did you hear that buzzing? I was like, shit, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't really know. like... I really like the line, if you look to others for fulfillment, you will never truly be fulfilled. I think that makes a lot of sense. When I was in my addiction, I spent all my time looking for others for fulfillment. Like, I went outside myself. I needed, like, other people to tell me how great I was, and they never did. It never happened. You know, but I was always seeking other people to to give me my self-worth and now that I'm in my recovery and I've worked through the steps and like figured out my problems some most some of them anyway um I have learned not you know not to really care about others for fulfillment and to fulfill myself but I'm always working with these sponsees that are trying to look to I work with a lot of women that are looking to other people to fulfill them. And it is, um, it's a really hard concept to try to get across to people, like how good it is once you don't really care about others for fulfillment. You know, I, I, on that, I think, I keep thinking about uh, being raised by parents who didn't give us that, um, didn't give us that pat on the back that we needed all the time. You know, parents who, you know, if you got an A in class or, you know, A on your report card, they're, you know, it was like expected. It wasn't, oh, you're so great. You know, it wasn't all about that. And, you know, seeking, um, just seeking to be, I'm losing my words because I'm in menopause, but just seeking for people to approve of you, Mm -hmm. you know, it starts with, I think it starts with parents and that we didn't have, maybe didn't have all of that with our parents where they approved of us. So we're seeking it from other people. And I think it's something I constantly have to keep working on because I can slip back into needing that approval so I have to, you know, I have to keep focused on the fact that I'm, that I am good enough. You're enough. Myself. We are enough. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily need to be other people that you look for for fulfillment. Um, I used to look at alcohol for fulfillment. That used to be, that used to be my go-to. That used to be, that, that used to make me, that used to make me happy. That used to, that used to give me that, that life that I was, that I was needing. The approval. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But it was Robin Williams that says if you was it if, if you need to if you need to fill yourself with drugs and alcohol to live your life, then you're doing it wrong. I love him. You, you know, we're we're really more than enough. 
enough to me sounds like I'm just barely, I can barely make it when really we're everything that we're supposed to be, which is much more than any lack. And we have no lack. The only lack we have is uh, in our not knowing that we are all that we're supposed to be. Does that make sense? It's hard to put into words. It really is. You know? Yeah, that does but, make sense. Uh, at first I thought, you know, yeah, I am enough. Like, you know, I'm not what I should be, but I'm enough. <laughs> you know, that kind of an idea, you know. And then I thought, no. Then I moved from that to, you know, I am exactly everything that I'm ever supposed to be. I'm not lacking in any way. My, you know, my problem is a lack of surrender. So not a lack of being enough because I'm just getting in my way. You know, I'm attached to these things that we're talking about. Yeah. Yes. It's being good with just being good enough, maybe. Or loving people with hooks. You know, I love you, but I want something back. You know, I'm loving you with intention, you know, intending on you to do something for me. You know, how are you going to make me feel better? What are you going to say great about me for me? Help, you know, all of those. Right. You know, that game. Which is like with our relationships with our significant others. You know, what are you going to do for me? It's funny. um, With uh, wife number two. We've been married now seven years. I don't call her number two. Um, <laughs> no, no. That would be a bad month, maybe year. <laughs> that does not happen. But with my second wife, I started out, you know, I'd always do nice things for her, make her coffee and do all this stuff that I didn't have to do. But I felt I was doing it out of a duty to do. And I, we've talked about this before where, I've moved that more to love now. And I do things for her because I love her. And I'll actually tell myself that because I want to shift back into that uh, hook, you know, back into that. This is my part and I'm supposed to do these things. So I do them. And in return, you know, you, you do your part, you know, that kind of a, uh, and, and I'll just, I'll fall back into that if I'm not careful. So um, I move that to love. And I do things because I love her and do my best not to expect in return. And what I found myself one day was instead of getting up and making her coffee real quick, I just let her make her own <laughs> because I didn't think I had to anymore. Yeah. It, it was kind of odd the way it happened. I, I quit doing as much, but yet it was kind of strange. It's like I, it, the whole thing moved from a duty to a love. And while all that was going on, she made a comment that, you know, something's changed with you, you know, you're, and I wasn't doing as much as I used to do like things, you know, but it changed because it shifted to a love rather than from duty to love. So she noticed in a good way. She noticed the love and not the things I was doing. So it was was interesting. I'm I'm still, I don't know if I'll ever understand that, but I'm, I'm accepting it and living in it. So it's good. Um, that's that's why sometimes it's better just to do nothing. Don't ne- never build up their expectations. You can never let them down. <laughs> that's awful, Craig. That's that's why that's that's why my wife lives. She she lives a life of disappointment. 
Try it, Craig. You'll like it. I'm just what telling your wedding vows were. Don't expect anything from me. <laughs> Remember, it's till death do us part. <laughs> yeah, this this way that might come in pretty quickly. <laughs> um, I went out with a lady. I'm digressing for just a second, but y'all like this. Uh, when I was dating, uh, I went out with a lady, and she had a few drinks, and she said, "You know," she said, "If I," she was hurt from her first marriage, and she said, "If I ever get married again, it'll be till death do us part." somebody's going to die. <laughs> uh, that was the last date I had with her. <laughs> I'm not getting in that line. No. Um, he who is attached to things will suffer much. He who is attached will suffer much. He who knows when to stop does not find himself in trouble He will stay forever safe. Man, that's what I want to be is forever safe. And it comes not being attached to this stuff. Forever safe? Wanting to be forever safe, is that not an attachment? (laughs) Uh, Don't mess it up for me, Lolly. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) But, But it's in the fact that you're not attaching to it. You just are, you know. You know, you just are because you're not attached to these things. So they come and go. Life is this transient thing that things come. And it's like the uh, there was a Taoist, uh, like a parable with it, where it's like things are coming down the river and you use them as they come by. You don't push them away and you don't grab a hold to them to where you don't let them go. And it causes angst that, you know, the current's taking things away from you, but you're trying to hold on to it. So it's causing you pain, you know, and you just use things as they come by and let them go as they leave and then make room for the next thing. And just that flow of life, I think, is where that safety is. The safety is in the vulnerability of just accepting life as life is. Yes, that's security. Yes. Yeah, just, but I, I just keep thinking about a pair of shoes. Like, do, <laughs> buying, do I, about uh, buying a new pair of shoes feels so good to me, you know, and I'm attached to shoes. I love shoes. But, you know, in, in my evolution, where I used to buy whatever I wanted. Now I look at shoes like, is this going to enhance my life? Are these going to enhance my life in any way? And the answer is usually no, which is my ideal way of becoming less attached to shoes, I think. I think it's working. Now, I just went to L.A. and left or lost two of my favorite pairs of shoes there and I came home and I was all upset about it and I was going to try to find where they were online to reorder them and couldn't. And you know what? I had a moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so many shoes. Who cares? <laughs> oh, we're just shoes. Every now and then I'm like, I wish I had those, but right. <laughs> we have so many others. You know, we do. <laughs> I'm never shoeless. No, ever. So. Don't tell my wife this, okay? We she went away on holiday, and um, we were getting some mirrored wardrobes put in the room next door, and it, half of it's Louise's side, and I was 
I was tidying up, so I was putting everything back into these wardrobes once the work had been done, and I couldn't fit all these shoes in. Okay, so so I thought, how many shoes do you need? Did I marry a centipede? She's got loads of shoes. So I thought, do you know what? These shoes look the exact same as the last one, so I chucked them out. Craig! He doesn't know about it. He's never found out about it. You have to live with that guilt for the rest of your marriage. Um, no, I didn't actually. I'm, I'm just, I'm fine. <laughs> no, I just, if she's, if she, if you've got too much, you never notice the things that you miss. That's a lot of that is truth. Yeah. Unless it's money. That should be between Louise and her higher power, not <laughs> Craig is her higher power. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a shoe. My, my wife made me buy another. I got this pair of shoes I like, and she made me buy another pair identical to them that are newer because she would not go in public with me anymore with the old pair on. So she she made me put it to buy new shoes. But I was hiking a couple of weeks ago, and I needed some new hiking boots because I haven't hiked in years, and I had my my heavy hiking boots still from years ago i said i'll just wear them it's summertime and we're gonna do a lot of creek crossing so i was gonna be a problem but i said okay i'll just wear them I, I really didn't you know have the extra money at the moment to to go out and buy a nice pair of hiking another pair of hiking boots 100 plus bucks so i was in uh, academy and i said i'll just go over and look at the boots i went over and looked and they had a pair on closeout that was like a $60 pair of hiking shoes for $9.98. I'm like, what? I looked, and they had one box left, and it was my size. Your size, of course. So I just bought them for $10. <laughs> and I said, okay, I got my shoes I needed. Okay. So then it worked out. But That's the universe working for you. So that was a situation where I needed them, and they appeared. And I didn't even know. I wasn't even asking for them, you know. So, but uh, – I, th- I thought, isn't it? Wouldn't it be great if everything worked that way? And then I thought, you know, it, it is, and I'm just not seeing it. <laughs> you know, things get go in line, and I just don't see it happening. Like the like the guy that had the he he couldn't find a parking place. He had a very important meeting, and he said, you know, God, I, I just need this parking place. Can you help me with this? And all of a sudden, a place came open right up in his face. Never mind, I got one. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't see it happening. I don't. I don't acknowledge it. I don't see it, but it's happening around me all of the time. It is all of the time. It is. It is. <laughs> and, and actually, I suffer loss when when those things that are provided for me, I I just can't let go of them, or I put too much value on them. I start putting my value on those things as as them meaning more than they are. They're just something to enjoy. All this stuff, it's nothing wrong with having nice things. Mm-mm. It's not having those, those things not having you. Right. You know, that you can, you can enjoy them. And, you can, and how do you know when you're, when you're putting too much emphasis on them? One is they become too valuable to you. You wouldn't dare consider life without them. And the other side of that for me is when I attain something that I've wanted, it's hollow you know, the attainment's hollow, you know, so, you know, that didn't do for me what I thought it would. That means I'm putting too much value on those things in my thinking. Yeah. 
Isn't that usually the case? Oh, it's always the case, dear. <laughs> True wealth requires greater loss. Yeah. Hmm. Knowing when to stop will keep you from danger and bring you a long, happy life. So this is all about moderation. All right. Any other comments before we go to the uh, commentaries? Mm-mm. I want to I want to give a shout out to Sober Pod. If you guys are looking for a podcast, uh, I've gotten to know Carl off of that podcast. Known him since before he started it. I think he's been at it for over a year now. Uh, it's Sober Pod, one word. If you guys, they're doing step work this year where they're taking every month and going through a step. So they started step one in January and so forth. But they're not, they do some traditional, but they're not all traditional. Steve uh, that's on the podcast is an atheist. So he's talking about how he approached the steps from okay. being an atheist. Uh, it's uh, Steve Allen and Carl. They all do a great job. Ellen's a Christian and she comes at it from the Christian perspective and Carl's an agnostic. So they, they get all views of that. So they're good guys, good podcast, some good guy humor too. So I just subscribed. Good, good. Check it out. You you guys have any other podcasts y'all listen to that that speak to you at times? Yeah. Um, Transitions daily. um, Sober full podcast. It's, um, uh, two therapists, uh, Veronica Valley and Chip Summers. They're both um, English. It's and sober, um, full. sober full podcast, and they they're very um, they're probably very much like the sober pod. They they take an issue and they talk it around, and which all relates to recovery, and it's very clear and and concise and only less than an hour. Cool. And I really like them. Chip Summers is the, um, is the, is the guy who um, got Russell Brand into rehab. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. cool. Okay. Any others? Uh, Transitions Daily. That's a great podcast. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Transitions Daily. If you go to daily, aaemails.com is a, is a daily devotion that has all of the, um, or the majority of the daily readers that people read uh, in recovery, and it's it's AA based. It's actually an online AA group, but they've taken those readings and they've made them into a podcast now. So, and people all over the world are are reading those podcasts. They take a, a days or months at a time and read those, and it's just the reading. So they're what seven eight minutes a day. So if you want a lot of readings in a short amount of time that you can listen to instead. And uh, dailyaaemails.com has that information, or I think search Transitions Daily in your uh, any of your distributions. Okay. Hey, any others? Those are good. Uh, I like um, uh, Recovered Cast is good. Um, of course, Omar's podcast is good, too. And then... We've got this one these folks started in a meeting. It's called the Dow of Our Understanding. That's it's pretty good, too. Craig thinks it's good anyway. I like it. Yeah, I do, too. <laughs> I listen, I'm amazed. I listen to the podcast. I used to never listen to myself. If I was told my story on a podcast, and I've told my story on a number, 
applied. I'd never listened. I just could not listen to myself. And Craig one day said, buddy, why don't you listen to the podcast? And I said, okay, I'll listen to it. And I'm sitting there and, and I'm saying, man, I'm learning from listening to our podcast. It's amazing the things that just organically come out that that are beyond what we know and understand that I go back and listen to and get a lot out of. Yeah. So, sorry, I was, I was reading the message there from, from, from Kirsty. She was talking about June's transitions because apparently it's, it's a guy that sounds like Shrek that's reading it. That's me. <laughs> We, we can't do subtitles. If we could, we would. But uh, well, that's that's why I still subscribe to the actual email as, as well because I can read along to it. It's kind of like the karaoke version of the podcast. You can kind of <laughs> you sing, sing along the readings as it's played in yours as well. But when's when's your month, Kirsty? When are you doing? August. August. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. We've got people all over the world that's doing this. It's incredible. Okay. Let's move on to the commentaries if we can. Stephen Mitchell, I'll read Stephen Mitchell first. He did the second translation. Really good today. Um, Fame or integrity, but why be caught in these dichotomies? Once he has surrendered to the Tao, the master accepts whatever comes to him. If fame comes, he uses it with integrity. If money comes, he uses it as pure energy. Success and failure are equally irrelevant to him because his heart rests in the Tao. And I said, yeah, that's the whole, that's everything we're talking about today. Fame comes, he uses it. Money comes, he uses that. Success and failure are equally irrelevant to him because his heart rests in the Tao. He's at rest. He's at peace. So it it doesn't matter what comes. He accepts it as being the way it's supposed to be. That's That's where the contentment is. Contentment. It's like the, what's the, the story you always hear about the, the fellow with the horses, the, the fellow that loses his horse, the uh, Chinese Taoist farmer. Y'all know that story? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, things happen, and it was, uh, I'll tell it real quick. Um, he lost his horse, and his neighbor said, how are you going to operate your farm without your horse? That was a horrible thing that happened. He said, well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I, you know, I don't know. And a few days later, the horse comes back with a bunch of wild horses. His neighbors say, isn't it great that your horse came back with all these wild horses? Now you're wealthy. He said, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I don't, I don't know, you know. And so his son is breaking the horses and fall and is bucked off and breaks his leg. So he's laid up and the neighbors say, isn't it horrible that your son broke his leg on the horse? He said, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Then the army comes through looking for young men to fight in a war that they will never come home from. And his son doesn't have to go because he broke his leg because the wild horse, because he was breaking the wild horses and the wild horses came because his horse ran away. You know, all these things happen. Isn't it horrible? Isn't it great that your son didn't have to go to war? He said, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. It's that acceptance of what's going on as being the way that it should be. Mm-hmm. Because why fight it? Because this stuff 
we have very little power to change. So why why fight the, the, these things we can't change? Okay, that's the contentment. Craig, uh, you got Derek Land? Yep. Okay, so Derek Land for the 44th is fame or self, which is dearer? The self or wealth, which is greater? Gain or loss, which is more painful? Thus, excessive love must lead to great spending. Excessive hoarding must lead to heavy loss. Knowing contentment avoids disgrace. Knowing when to stop avoids danger. Thus, one can endure it indefinitely. Um, and I think if, if you if you looked at my life um, before I came into rug, uh, recovery, I would always have went for self, wealth, and gain. And I think when you come into recovery and you actually realise that it's not about the material things, I think when you concentrate on that, then your spirituality tends to take a real a real big hit. Um, these days, it'll definitely. I like when he said gain or loss, which is more painful. Mm-hmm. You know, which is truly more painful. I've had a lot more pain from some of things that I thought were a gain than yeah. some things that I thought were a loss. We just we just don't have the capability in the moment to see the outcome of of things in our life. We just don't we don't see it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. difficult. No, I think we have a sense of entitlement. So we don't really see what what's out there where we feel entitled to have certain things like great childhood or great husband or, you know, things that aren't necessarily great. We, we, we've been sold a, a bill of goods that that's really inaccurate. We've been told that if we work harder and do better, that these are the things that we are to attain that will make us happy. You know, the spouse, the good-looking spouse with the healthy children and uh, the, the big house and the, the, the lake house and all the things and all the stuff, you know, and that's the stuff that, that we're taught that's supposed to bring us this happiness that, that does not do it, does not work. Craig, uh, anything in the comments that you like? Yeah, I'll just I'll jump. The, the, the first, the first one's a self-explanatory. Where he's talking about fame or self, which is zero. We've, we've, we've covered that. The um, the the last one where he's talking about knowing contentment avoids disgrace. Um, he's got the way of doubt is contentment and being able to let go. Knowing when to stop is an important step. It prevents further accu- accumulation of clutter. Being able to let go is the next step. There is a powerful feeling of liberation when we master this aspect of Tao cultivation. Gain or loss, which is more painful. Once we experience the joy of sim- once we experience the joy of simplifying and streamlining, we will understand that gain can bring unwanted complexity, while loss can bring freedom. This understanding puts the question in a completely different light. Oh, there's a couple of things that jumped out. Excessive love compels. If we, um, that's from um, the thus excessive love must lead to great spending. You can really look at how you spend your money, and you can tell what's important to you. You can look back at how you can look back for the last month at where your money went, 
and it will tell you what you really value. <laughs> yeah. Won't it though? Think about it. Yes. Shoes. Um. <laughs> or and let's say if it's not money, you can look at your time. You can do a timeline and say, where did I spend my time? And that will tell you what's valuable <laughs> to you as well. Yeah. So the things that you spend your time and your money on really reveal what's important to you and what areas really that you may be holding on to. You're holding on to some things that you may need to surrender and let go of. Because I guarantee you, if you correlate or you're spending your time and your money to the things that are causing you any angst in your life, you're going to see some patterns. You're going to see where, I guarantee you, where you're spending a lot of your money and a lot of your time is where a lot of your angst is. If it's something that's not bringing you contentment. If it's, if it's, a, if it's an area you need to detach from. Before oh, sorry. Where it says about the knowing when to stop, does anybody have any advice on that? Because it's, it's knowing when to stop and I guess take stock and whether it's sensible to make it a daily habit or a daily, you know, practice and how you would implement that and how you actually go about it because it's I, I, I have a mindset where if I'm doing something I will do it I will properly do it either I, I won't do it at all I'll avoid it or I'll do it 100% and to the point where you know I'll go to the extreme and I will be that person who doesn't stop and therefore suffers the repercussions, um, which is kind of the story of my recovery, really. Um, and so I guess from a, from a doubt perspective, how, how is it? That, that you know when to stop because if I've got if I've got my on button switched on, there is nothing other than um, there is nothing other than my body kind of going that then tell then you know makes me stop. Um, so it's kind of what what could you use what. Um, to kind of, I don't know, I don't know what I'm trying to say, um, what tools are there to kind of almost set you up to, yes, okay, do what you need to do, but at the right time, stop. Um, because if I get on a train of thought, and it's for all of these things that we've been talking about, if I get on that train, I do not stop until that train has crashed. Um, and that is the analogy. That is the analogy. Um, so, yeah, I'm just kind of putting that one out there. I was just kind of going to say, um, I had a therapist once that was really helpful with the 
and I use this tool still, um, you know, I don't know if it's an addiction thing or what, but it's like having that, um, if you're talking about thoughts, like unable to stop these monkey mind thoughts that stream and getting stuck in this loop. She used to say that there's this golden moment when you realize you're doing it, you know, when you realize you're doing it. And uh, I think awareness has a lot to do with it. Um, Yeah. You know, awareness when you're going off on a tangent, you know, and catching it and self-talking yourself. Sometimes it's like she she had this analogy with her hands like this, self-talking yourself saying, you're being ridiculous, you're chewing your head, or, you know, maybe more positive self-talk. And then the other talking gets louder, no, but this and this and this. And, um, you know, sometimes it takes longer than others. But I found when I put it into practice, um, I really was able to start catching when I'd be going into this loop of negative self-thinking and inability to stop it. And then just another tool from AA that always works for me, just because I like to keep moving, is um, change a thought, move a muscle. You know, like, yeah, go do something, go for a walk, get outside, get nature. Um, don't sit on the couch, go in the bed with that loop. You know, be able to. And then I was also going to say, and the ability to stop, even when I'm doing positive things. Um, not now so much talking thoughts as in actions. You know, I found myself doing a lot of caretaking these past two weeks, and I had, I didn't really have a choice to stop, but I was, you know, doing a lot of caretaking for these pets and then also for my family while my mom is sick. And, um, you know, I didn't stop and do enough self-care, you know, and all of a sudden I found myself like really wound up and really resentful. And then you're not cooking dinners for your family out of love. You're just slapping plates down. And it's like, if you don't stop and do the self-care and I mean, I was even going to yoga, going, you know, meetings and all that, but I was dialing it in. I was like on autopilot. Like I wasn't really mind body connected. So um, I think once I realized I was, hit my limit, um, just the awareness again and, and kind of coming back to let me put really do this yoga class with intention, you know, let me really switch off and kind of take a breath and not just keep running because you're kind of no good to anything when you're in that heightened inability to stop. You're not really giving the right energy to any of the things, even productive things that you're trying. It's almost it's almost what you say. Yeah, you hit you hit on it. It's it's intention. It's intention of everything that you are that you are going that you want to do. Yeah. If you have the right intention, whatever it is that you're going to do, thoughts, you know, actions, activities, anything. If you approach it with the right intention and check in with your intention as you go along, then potentially you have the ability to then stop if you need to if your intention is going up Uh, yeah Yeah. it's all about intention and just realizing too sometimes it's harder than others i had a day the other day i couldn't get out of this loop i was like walked out to the garden pulled some weed walked inside put on some music and it's like sometimes it's harder than others but eventually the two shall pass kind of thing the next day is completely different so not getting attached to thinking this is just this is my life now. This is it. You know, the sunny side to that 
That's very good, Lala. Thank you. Um, but the sunny side to that is that you're seeing it now. When you used to, you would go off the rails and say, what happened? How did I get here? <laughs> now you're starting to see it, though, Kirsty. which is, that's a gift. Mm-hmm. So now that you're starting to see it, you can start taking action to do something about it. So that's good. It's a good thing you're seeing. It. <laughs> yes, that's a gift of recovery. Yes, definitely. I was thinking about how meditations helped me a lot with that. Absolutely. Me too. I was thinking the same thing. Kirsty, do you meditate? No. <laughs> I know I should. Just <laughs> <laughs> for two minutes. Just yeah. start with two minutes. Just sit. Just sit yeah. and do nothing. Hey, I watch Noah Levine. I hardly ever get it live, but I watch it on the replay. If you go to Facebook and, and just search Noah Levine and his page, he does a meditation a refuge meeting. He calls it something else now. Uh, yeah. Every it's, Monday night. What is it against the stream? I think. Yeah, that was his first book. Yeah, uh, two. Uh, it's about an hour and a half long. They do a twenty thirty minute meditation. Then he teaches, and it is really good. Really, really, really good. That I would. Uh, I would definitely check that out. But just just Google his name and he'll pop up. And it's you can go down the timeline and it, they're from April till now once a week. Mm-hmm. You you can catch them in the timeline. So just really if, stuff. if that's too long, there's a lot of guided meditations on Insight Meditation, the Insight yeah. Meditation mm-hmm. app where you can do a two minute to a ten minute to an hour long, whatever works if you want to guide it. But if you just want to do nothing, just sit and just sit. Close your eyes and sit. I do find those guided meditations more useful. I mean, because I, I kind of mix my meditation with yoga, so it's movement. So I'm doing something, it's easier for me to calm my mind rather than just sitting. So I find the guided meditations are really useful for me who has a hard time sitting and meditating without the monkey mind going. Right. Um, yeah. Whatever works. Yeah. Just find something that works. I used Headspace. Uh, for the first year, year and a half, until I had a practice. You have to pay for headspace. Yes, it's, uh, it was, I forget how much it was, but I didn't renew it when it came around because I already had a practice going. But it helped me with a lot of, a variety of different types of uh, meditations because he goes into a lot of different things. Um, so, and you can find those for free in other places. But uh, I thought that that was very helpful, a guided meditation when I was getting started. And actually, yeah. I was thinking this morning about finding some more guided to get me back because there's things that he taught that I don't always do, like the centeredness coming in and going out at the beginning and end of meditation. That that, that was one thing that he did that I've got in a habit now of not doing. And I think it's taken me a while in my meditation to get into place because I'm not doing what I was taught. So. But there's all kinds of things. I need variety because if I have a guide because of my memory, I can't almost let go of the the narration. So I know what I need something different. So I'm not expecting, I'm not anticipating the next thing. So when I was using Headspace, because they tend to be on a, they tend to be quite um, formulaic. Mm-hmm. for want of a better word, 
I would literally be sat there and going, right, now he's going to say this and now he's going to say <laughs> Which I think it's not really the point. Um, so I almost need to kind of just go and do random ones um, or just something different. I mean, it's the same when I do the yoga nidra. Um, after a while, I need to do different ones because I'm sat there going, well, now I need to relax this and now I need to relax that. And it's just, it, it's just because it sticks in my head. And, right. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, another great guy is called John Kabat-Zinn. He's the um, guru of American mindfulness. He's started the American mindfulness movement at, um, I forgot where it is, man, Massachusetts Hospital or something like that. John Kabat-Zinn. He has a lot of um, things you can download also. And YouTube has tons of stuff. So you There's tons of stuff. Tons of variety. There. We just want you to meditate. They just <laughs> want everyone to meditate on something. doesn't matter what. Just yeah. meditate. You, you know, I, I thought I was eight years sober, I think, before I started meditating. It's been two, two years ago. And I just thought when I said, you know, I need to start meditating. So I started meditating, and it was not a problem. Um, but if I would have started earlier, I could see how it would have been helpful to me from the very beginning, even if it was not something that was recovery-based. I think everyone would benefit from meditation. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's one of those things that I know it's, it takes kind of the mindset to the next level. But, I mean, as I said it's with me it's all or nothing i'm the great procrastinator for about well for my, for my whole recovery like two and a half years i've known i should be doing it but it's one thing knowing you should be doing it and quite another getting up in the morning and doing it <laughs> i think it's that whole thing about making it a habit yeah yes yeah as a chore trust me i'm i'm no great meditator but i i, I always kind of replace yoga with that and in the beginning i was like oh, and I don't know the poses, and I don't know how to do this, and this is a chore. And now it's like I crave it, I look forward to it, and it's not daunting, and it's not like, um, you know, and I was just reading something where it used to say it takes 21 days to make a habit, and that's bullshit. <laughs> it, takes like, it takes at least three to six months, and also it's got to be something you enjoy. I mean... It's, it's like they say when you find an exercise, don't do something that, you know, you're hating the whole time. Like, I, you know, I can't stand hot yoga. It makes me angry. You know, so find something, find to do it in a way you enjoy it, and it becomes habit, and it becomes a lifestyle, I guess. <sighs> Agreed. It has changed my life, meditation. It's changed the way I think. It's taken away my anxiety. And my resentments and my grudges, and I've just—I'm um, a, a better person and easier to live with. When I'd been meditating a few months, uh, I had kind of an epiphany. It's the first time I had an epiphany off the mat, you know, away from the meditation. I was standing in front of the refrigerator. It was after dinner, and I was craving so I was wanting something sweet to eat. And I was opening up the refrigerator, just looking at everything. I said, what do I want? What do I want? I said, wait a minute. That's just a thought. I don't have to do what I think. <laughs> because I'd learned that from meditation, you know, that a thought comes in and I just let it go. I said, I'm just going to let this thought 
for something sweet, go. I'm not going to entertain it just like I would in meditation. And it just floated on through, you know. And that's the first time I really applied meditation to everyday living. Interesting. Yeah, it was it was really an epiphany for me. So you can do that. You can do things. Yeah. That's the kind of thing I learned from meditation was that, you know, I don't have to entertain my thoughts. My thoughts are not me. They are not me. Well, I mean, it's like the cravings. They pass. They do. Sometimes, sometimes they keep coming up, up, and up, but eventually they pass. I mean, I've had times in early sobriety. I said, you know, if I feel like this in the morning, I'll go have a drink. I'll go to my 830 liquor store. I've got one that opened at 830 that I could go buy it. And I said, I go to my 830 liquor store instead of my 10 o'clock. And I get up in the morning and sometimes the craving had gone. Sometimes it hadn't, but a lot of times it was gone. And I was like, man, I'm glad I did not, you know, entertain that last night. I gave it an overnight. That was before I knew anything about meditation. But uh, I think too, what you're talking about, Kirsty, about, you know, getting off of that train or not letting it not that whole thing is a fruit of recovery. It just starts for me. It just started happening naturally like the anger train for me. You know, I just found myself not getting on the anger train, you know, and I wasn't doing anything to keep from it. It just wasn't happening anymore. You know, and it was just naturally organically just happening. So I think that's part of it, too. And and you're in the process of that now by just being able to see it mm-hmm. when you couldn't see it before. So that's good. That's a gift in itself. Dang. You should be great. Gratitude would I would be very grateful for that. Uh, I would awareness. be grateful that I was seeing it. Yeah. Be grateful for the awareness. Yes, definitely. OK, so do you guys want to take about. 10 minutes and finish the dire, or do you want to talk about this more next week? Uh, let's do more next week. I got to, I got to fly. Is that good? I think we can get another week out of this for sure. Okay. Definitely. We'll do a B part on the 44th then for next week. You guys have a great week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.